Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Hino. I'm Chaba. And I'm Zarar again. Today, we are going to talk about continuous delivery and particularly whether you need a framework to do continuous delivery. We've so far sort of talked about CD in the context of maybe Kanban a little bit. Uh, Kanban seems to be a method which is more suitable for continuous delivery because it is a flow-based system. So it sort of naturally lends itself to frequent deployments and on-demand deployments and a lot of the principles that continuous delivery uh, speaks of. But is that a dependency? Do you need a framework to do continuous delivery? Is it dependent on a particular process or a particular way of working? You know, people are familiar with Scrum. They're familiar with Waterfall. There's frameworks called Dad out there. Maybe there's one called Mom out there. Who knows? Are those any of those prerequisites to do continuous delivery? Chaba, I know in the in the pre-talk of this podcast, uh, you were getting a little excited about doing uh, continuous delivery with Waterfall. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? The question that we even ask even in Kanban or even in any any system where where continuous delivery in the moment when we can put any small change out, we're already separating the feature release to the customer from the technical aspect of continuous delivery, right? From the from the technical aspect that this this piece of code ends up in production. And the most common one, we have a feature flag. So so now we completely separated the the this the release of the of the feature from from that. So if we continue along the same the same path and let's say we take waterfall and we would enable these features two years, I'm a crazy example, in production, what's stopping us to put stuff into production over these two years? And at the very, very end, as a, as a true waterfall, just enable absolutely everything. Like, of course, why, would, why on earth would you do that? But theoretically, what should stop us? Hino, do you have any improvements over this bastardized version of CD that Chaba has proposed? Yes, and, and and this was the continuous delivery podcast for today. <laughs> no, so Chaba basically mentioned it all, right? It's it's basically the separation of the release from the deployment that enables whatever you want to do in whichever framework. That's really what what uh, separates you from uh, from that particular dependency on a framework that would allow you to go to production whenever you whenever you can. But again, waterfall is. Uh, associated with the fact that you do uh, full-on design first and then you do full-on development first and then you do full-on testing and, until everything is um, is ready to go into production. And, and obviously, uh, until something is tested, you can't really put anything in production uh, at the risk uh, because uh, you risk um, breaking something that, that is there. Assuming, of course, that there is something in production in the first place, right? That we're, we're adding a new functionality to an existing system. So that's kind of the, the issue there. Think about Scrum. Think about any of those other frameworks, uh, Sarah, that you mentioned. The, the whole thing there is if you have pieces of functionality that are small enough and, and work that you can deploy into production that is small enough, and uh, as soon as it's ready, you don't need to keep separate branches open and you uh, you go to production right away without necessarily making that functionality available for our end users, then in essence, you're doing continuous delivery. Uh, I would argue, though, if you're working on a piece that takes you two months before you put it in production and uh, and only then you do it, uh, that you, you might not want to call that continuous delivery. But I think that's what you were referring to, Zerar, when you asked me that question. Yeah, and, and I think one of the distinguishing characters of um, of CD is that the releases are low risk, 
Mm-hmm. Right. When, when you look at most problems that happen in any company, they usually happen at the time of release. You're releasing something to market and that's when you got to work the weekend or what have you. And, and and CD is sort of devoid of that. It takes that that stress, that risk out of the equation entirely. And like when I think of is it suitable for fast, agile or scrum or safe or, or any of these frameworks, I think the commonality that or, or the prerequisite that you must satisfy in order to do in order to de-risk your releases is really to have short planning cycles. And I think as long as whatever framework you are using is, is having very short planning cycles, you're obviously reducing your batch size in, in terms of what you're delivering, how much you're delivering, in both in terms of uh, scope, in terms of code, in terms of business functionality, in terms of artifacts. All those are, are minimized to a small batch size. So, And as long as that batch size is going to production frequently, I don't think it really matters what the, what the container framework is. It's true. I, I I don't think it matters um, whichever it is that you want to choose. Uh, however, there is a whole bunch of stuff that you're not getting if you're applying continuous delivery in that particular fashion in the way that we just described it. You're, you're not getting the feedback from your end users. You're not getting the feedback from your system under load of your end users and so forth, right? You you can't inform future development based on what, what how your users are using the system, what they've considered valuable uh, or most important, what to work on next and so forth. So all of that stuff you're missing out on, of course, because you you don't close the loop with your customers. And by the way, that's actually when I when I'm talking about waterfall, this feedback loop, which, which I mainly was was thinking about, rather than the, to your point, absolutely right. You know about these these stages, but I think the the feedback loop is the key, right? Yeah. To, exactly, exactly what you mentioned. And we could be devil's advocate and say, well, was Scrum if you do one week or two weeks Scrum, you technically could or should release something to your clients. But isn't that a good a good reminder or a good cadence that you would you would want to get some some client feedback at least every week or at least every every couple of weeks? When I was talking earlier about about low risk releases and Chava made a good point because releasing is going it's outbound right you're shipping stuff out and that's I'd say fifty percent of continuous delivery. The other fifty percent is listening to what's actually happening with your software and incorporating that into your planning cycles. So I think I think that's the second second piece that is a prerequisite to CD, which is which is which is the feedback loop that Chaba talked about. And honestly man, like when I when when I look at these frameworks, I wish there was a greater emphasis, almost a rigidity built into them which forced you to get customer feedback. Yeah, we have things like GA we listen to. We 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 slap our applications with Google Analytics tags. You know, you know how uh, how Scrum forces you every every iteration to sit down for an hour and do a retrospective, or forces you to sit down and do a planning session. I, I almost want a framework which forces you to sit down and and listen to customer feedback for the last iteration. Do you need that built in, Zarar? Do you need that built into the method, or do you? Is that more like something that we as owners of a product, and I'm not talking about product owners now specifically or people who are uh, representing that particular role. I'm talking about owners of a product as a squad, as a team, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. owning the product that you're actually uh, putting in front of the customers. Is that not something that we should build in and make that explicit? It is. I I think great teams 
who care about customer feedback will automatically build that into whatever they are doing, right? right? But a lot of teams aren't there. And I, I wish when Scrum was being conceived, there was greater emphasis on just that particular aspect of listening to customer feedback. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I agree that we should we should be we should be agile enough or nimble enough to figure this out and build into our process. But I but I just think if if you are going to design a new if I was about to design a new framework, I would dedicate a special time just to listen and analyze what's happening with your software out there because I, I think. If, if say the iteration ends and you have you have nothing deployed, nobody's using your app. That one hour meeting is going to be awfully awkward, which is a signal that you haven't really done much. I would uh, argue that the the sprint review, which you referred to earlier, Zarar, has the intent of doing that. Mm. That it doesn't achieve that objective. That's a whole different thing. But it definitely has the intent of doing that. I have been uh, lucky enough to be in a couple of sprint reviews really early on where that particular value was was available and where the, the stakeholders who were uh, represented in the, um, in the sprint review uh, were excited and, and provided the feedback and provided direction for the product that uh, enabled the team to take it into account and, and move forward in a better way. I, I also have been in sprint reviews where none of that is happening. And isn't isn't what we, we try to coach always that outcomes over output? Isn't that the the, the 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 key distinction? Because we can we can churn out these 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 pieces of of deployments, but the outcome can really come from that feedback. So what if what if we would? So I was referring to it. What if we would build our own method? What would that look like? Would the first story be like? Hey, uh, build out a metric that shows you you're making progress towards your objective. In in our brand new CD podcast framework, CDPF, <laughs> the, the first thing will always be to deploy Hello World to production. That right. is going to be step one of any project is Hello World to production. And wh- uh, what is the f- what is the customer feedback you're expecting from that? Th- think think about your organization or your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. or your pipeline as your customer, and you are getting feedback from that, that this thing is able to uh, to handle what I'm about to throw at it for the next little while. That that would be requirement number one in uh, CDPF. You're saying this is your first organizational debugger, because if you cannot do that, then then don't, don't even strive for it. If, if you cannot even put a hello world in production, then how do you expect to put this very, very complex application in production? This is what you are going to Exactly. Have? Yeah. So, so, so Hino mentioned that that you want to bur- build first that kind of metric towards progress. If if I would put on my my cynical hat, then we wouldn't have too many users because as soon as people saw that requirement, they would scare the hell out, and then would say, "No, we cannot, we cannot do that." So we have to make it a little bit lower barrier, lower entrance uh, uh, barrier for for them. I would like to understand how that how a user is involved in that particular metric I'm proposing. Yeah, I, I I totally get it, but I I think to Zarar's point, uh, and and what I always try to do with my team is this, is this it's almost like if you want a rigid requirement that at every single point in time or whatever your development, if you start with the hello world, then it has to come with almost your your uh, I call it an L. So so it's not only you're building that slice right with with front mm-hmm. and middle, but also enhancing and then just adding just enough to that to that to the deployment pipeline that could maintain so at every given point in time your deployment pipeline is just complex enough 
that can handle whatever your your application is. So I would continue that 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 would I'm almost would prescriptively make the definition of done that one is deployed and the second is you took care of that entire slice as an L, not only as as your as your slice. I, I, I'll pull on the metric thread. I mean, I, I think metrics is, is a good idea. I, I like it. I mean, it sounds very rigid that you start off with a metric, but I think we already do that. We talk about like OKRs and these things, which are so far out into the future that they almost become, you know, then they're not tangible enough for the, for the, for the team to sometimes feel. And I'm not against OKRs. I mean, I, I do see their value because Chavan nods his head violently. I'm talking about more about you know a, a, a metric that we can we that the team can sort of feel, and it it could be right. as simple, it, like it could be as as simple as like say for example if you are making um, a um, I don't know let's say a video editing app online, mm-hmm. your first metric would just be you know how many people actually click, click on an upload button and select a file, or even come to your website. Or come, yeah, or something, something, something dead simple, right? I mean, if you're building a brand new app, right? So it's a good example, a video editing app. Then the first thing that you want to see is, well, do I have enough users on my video editing app? Because if there's not enough users, I won't get any feedback either. If nobody's using it, then what the hell am I putting my time in, right? So, uh, so that's definitely a valuable metric in the beginning. After a while, it might no longer be valuable. After a while, it might be, hey, how long does it take for a user to be ready and actually download a version of the of the edited uh, video? Well, the time between upload and uh, and when they're done, when are they happy that that uh, w- with the the edited software? How many times do they? Uh, give up on uh, on editing or never download it at all because they, they never f- feel happy. Whatever it is that you're working towards, you can start building those metrics in and then see if you get some feedback uh, that informs you uh, what the team should work on next, what can be improved and whatnot. If you're, if you're making progress towards your objective and so on. I, I think we've sort of gone into this direction where we in- install an analytical framework like GA or and sort of kind of fire and forget it. Like GA is there, it's tracking things, it's tracking everything. But because there's so much things being tracked, we sort of don't think about it because yeah, it's there. Our mentality is like, yeah, GA is tracking it, don't worry, we have the data. But I think if we actually at the start think more keenly about what exactly we are tracking and why we are tracking it, and think about particular use cases we want to track and bring that thinking sort of upfront instead of basically just deferring into the GA cloud, I think we'll get a better sense of what direction we're, we're about to take. So, so I, I do feel any framework that I would design would have a special emphasis on, on, on metrics, much more keener than what we currently have. Chaba, sorry. Yeah, and, and it's, I, I want to riff off both of you because, because one, one important thing that I usually do in these metrics conversations Make sure that the that the group understands the difference between leading and trailing indicators. And, and one one important aspect you could do at the very beginning, at least pick a few leading indicators. Maybe you could put pick maybe one trailing, but the leading is important. So I, my, my my classic example: okay, you want to increase your revenue by ten or twenty percent, but maybe you will realize that maybe only one year down the road. But how do you know you're on the right path? So maybe you could pick as a leading indicator that maybe your website visits go up by by 5% or 10%. Because if your website visit doesn't go up by by at all, how do you expect to convert those into, into eventual clients, right? So, and, and this is where the whole experimentation comes in 
where you could start running experiments towards that leading indicator. How can we increase the website visits? And, and so, so, so it gives you an opportunity to truly be very brutally honest to yourself. Because if you have only trailing indicators that we have to have to have that that revenue, you could the, the year could go by by the time you you wake up and like oh, not nothing happened, right? But but if you force yourself uh, as as a team or as an organization to to test against those leading indicators, then you get much much faster feedback and and. And you have a chance to eventually get to your to your to your trading indicator. And I think we'll leave it at that and conclude this edition of the Continuous Delivery Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>